Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is the 18th of August, 2021, and I would just say it's a really sober morning. If you have not already done so, um, let me encourage you to pray this morning and continue praying not only for the people of Afghanistan, but the fellow believers specifically in Afghanistan, whom you have uh, already heard in the headline news at the top of the hour, are being informed upon by their neighbors and then executed if they are found to have a Bible or, frankly, any other Christian material on their phones. That's coming from Sat7, the president of that uh, ministry in uh, which broadcasts Christian messaging across the Middle East. Um, Contingency planning only works if the people planning for all the contingencies are actually operating in reality. So I'm not going to speak condemnation this morning, but I sure am going to say if your contingency planning is not based in reality and it's not based on a real understanding of what's really happening to real people in real time in the midst of um, a real worldview conflict where the Taliban really do believe that they are right in terms of righteousness and all who do not agree with them are wrong, and that those who are wrong are infidels, which by definition then requires them by their faith um, to terminate the infidel. So the reality of what's really happening in Afghanistan to real people in real time in the midst of what is very real regime change would seem to me to be a contingency for which the current American administration was not prepared, contrary to their public statements that they prepared for every contingency. I cannot imagine that finding human body parts in the wheel wells of American military aircraft was a part of the plan. That's how desperate people are to get out of Afghanistan. So unless what we're watching unfold is the plan which, if true, is evidence of moral bankruptcy and a catastrophic failure of leadership. And I know those are strong words. But last night, I watched videos from fellow Christians broadcasting from within Afghanistan who are heartbroken. They don't feel betrayed by God. They're confident in God. But they feel utterly abandoned by us. I also read last night messages being sent by the U.S. State Department to some 15,000 American citizens throughout Afghanistan. It's posted on Yahoo News and and elsewhere. Here is what it reads in part. Thank you for registering your request to be evacuated from Afghanistan. Please make your way. 
to Hamid Karzai International Airport at this time. The note then reads in all capital letters, please be advised the United States cannot guarantee your security as you make this trip. If you've ever traveled overseas, you know that part of that process includes getting a travel visa. That travel visa tells the United States State Department where to expect you to be. Why? So if something terrible happens, your nation's embassy can find you. Get the medical or legal or whatever other kind of aid or attention you need. And yes, evacuate you if necessary. But apparently, that was not a part of the contingency plan. And apparently... The U.S. government doesn't even know how many U.S. citizens are in Afghanistan. The White House press secretary told reporters the number was, well, at least 11,000. Mitch McConnell said it's more likely 15,000. The Pentagon uh, spokesperson John Kirby estimated, well, the number's probably between five and 10,000. That's a lot of we don't know. And the plan to get them out of this worst-case scenario, if the worst-case scenario actually happened, well, apparently... It's a contingency for which there wasn't really a plan. So you have to get yourself to the airport across the country through now a a network of Taliban checkpoints. And so what the president says is, well, we're just going to have to trust the Taliban. Which, just as a reminder, is the very same group of people we've been seeking to eradicate for the last 20 years. So... Um, I want you to read widely today on this topic, and I want you to pray earnestly today on this topic. That is what I am doing, praying earnestly, demanding more of my own government, and supporting people who have real relationships and know how things really work and have plans to deal in real time with the real crisis on the ground. I know it's a sober thought, but we need to know, because guess what? They know that we know. And they know that we're watching. Pastor Daryl Crouch joins me next. Daryl Crouch joins me now, working with Everyone's Wilson. You can check out what he's writing at Daryl Crouch on Substack. You can find that at substack.com. Daryl, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. It's great to be with you. Um, So I was tempted to um, lead off this morning with a question about James Taylor and then the Waffle House. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tell people about matrimonial bliss. Yeah, I mean that's just good. I mean that's just good stuff. I mean we uh, we just had a great time uh, Monday night at Bridgestone Arena in downtown Nashville. You know Nashville's got a good show almost every night. Uh, you can find something great to do, and it's a great city, and so we love it. And so when we can, we we find some live uh, music and have a good night. So obviously James Taylor is a somebody I enjoy, and um, so my wife actually bought those tickets in December of 2019, I think. Wow. So um, anyway, we finally uh, got there. And then um, and then, um, hey, Waffle House is always a winner. I mean, there's just no no way around that. And And um, always it's very very romantic. It's open all the time. (laughs) Uh, The food's good. So, yeah, we had we've had a good couple of days. Okay, so let's juxtapose the reality in which we're living. Right. Where 
um, you know, we're we're free to roam and we roam freely and we are living really blessed um, lives, even though sometimes they're complicated and there's there are shadows of darkness for sure. But for the most part, we are living peaceably um, in a land of freedom, even though, you know, granted, like, right, there are shadow sides to everything. Um, one one person asked me yesterday on the text line, like, how do I keep getting up and going and doing what I do every day and smiling and laughing even um, and enjoying things when I know that so many people in so many places are hurting so desperately? So wondering if you could just address that question as we start today. Sure. And we had that we've had that conversation the last few days again as we're enjoying the things we've already talked about and uh, still grieving and lamenting over what's happening uh, to people around the world on the other side of the world, but also in our own neighborhood. This isn't uh, we're, we're not um, somebody said this is not the sweet by and by. It's the nasty now and now. And, and I think uh, we uh, are praying and are seeking the kingdom of God uh, that it would be here as it is in heaven. Uh, but uh, we're not there yet. So we're in this in-between times that we've often talked about. And I really think that that uh, our eyes on Jesus uh, makes all the difference, that our contentment is in him. And we are choosing every day to trust God with the circumstances in our life, those shadows of darkness you mentioned. Uh, but that also means, as we trust in God, also means receiving his mercy and grace and the goodness that he gives to us. When the rain falls on our parched uh, land, those that's the grace of God. And we can, we can look to him and find contentment and joy in that moment. When he brings the sun out for a clear day with our family at the park or whatever it is, uh, the paycheck that comes regularly for uh, many of us, the, the, the blessings of life are also an invitation to trust God. And remember the faithfulness of God. And then I also think uh, it's a stewardship of trust, Carmen, that that what God has given to us is not just for us. And um, I've read even recently that you know Jesus really expected those who who have who have strength, who have energy, who have resources to serve and show compassion for those who have less of that. And um, that we leverage our lives, that we give ourselves to our neighbors in a way that would make a difference. And so the blessings of God are not something to be ashamed of or to um, somehow shrink back from, but to embrace and to trust God with those things as well. And so the one who has little uh, must trust God, but the one who has much must also trust God in order to be faithful with what they've been given. And so I think we always come back to this intimacy with Christ and his life in us and trusting him with what he's given us for today and um, not worrying and, and fretting over tomorrow, uh, but then asking, what does this require of me today? And uh, certainly, as you've mentioned already this morning, our brothers and sisters, our fellow image bearers in Afghanistan and other parts of the world, they are humans and um, we care about them. And so, we should do whatever God's given us the ability to do to advocate for them. Praying today for gospel revival here uh, at home, praying for gospel revival around the world, praying for God to do something um, radical and dramatic in our own lives, um, and certainly by the power of His people and His Spirit 
in places um, far from our physical reach in this very moment. Daryl Crouch and I will continue our conversation in just a moment. We're going to probably bring it a little closer to home. We'll be right back. You say come to the Continue my conversation with Pastor Daryl Crouch. You can find him at Everyone's Wilson. You can also find him on Substack, where he writes regularly, Daryl Crouch, uh, substack.com. Daryl, Mary has weighed in saying, I've learned that I must practice joy if I'm going to help others find peace in trusting Christ. I think that that, um, that's so true, that the, the witness I bear is to the substantial hope of a king and a kingdom um, that are unassailable. And and so we continue to bear positive public witness to who Christ is and what he has done, even in the midst of not only travail, but the face of death itself. So thank you, Mary, for that comment. Um, so Daryl, let's talk, uh, let's talk about something you have written, uh, and it's on your Substack right now. And that's these four kingdom decisions for the marketplace leader, um, how businesses make more than money. What are businesses making if it's not money? Well, they're 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 making a lot of good, and um, when they make good, uh, they are caring for my soul and for yours. And uh, I've said this before in different places, but when my pantry is empty, it's not just my stomach that hurts; uh, my soul hurts. And so, when businesses do a good job, they're uh, adding to the economy. Uh, they're able; uh, people are able to hire people. I'm able to have a job. You're able to have a job. And uh, the economy works in a way that helps provide for my family and for the families of others and gives us resources to help other people that are in those gaps. And so a good business is good soul care. And um, the kingdom-minded business leader um, is, it has, a, has a pathway to, to impact that so many others may not. And uh, so, so I think there's a lot of opportunity sitting in the what well, used to be pews now, you may still have pews in your church, but chairs, are, sit, there's a lot of people sitting in our congregations every week who have incredible opportunities, not just financial resources, but expertise and relational networks and experience uh, to help other people uh, live the life that God has uh, created them to live. And so this, this piece is simply a, a, a guide, I hope, that will, or at least inspiration anyway, that will remind a kingdom-minded business leaders that they have they have a really great opportunity. All right, you lead off with make the glory of God your greatest aim. Well, that that affects everything, and that's true for all of us in whatever sphere of influence we're in. But the business leader can often feel like, well, the bottom line is my biggest aim. And uh, making money is my biggest aim. And certainly that's important. And we can talk about that. Um, but for all of us who are in Christ, it is the glory of God. And so leveraging my business in a way that uh, honors the Lord, that seeks his glory, that seeks his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, uh, then that affects the way that we do our business. That affects the culture we create uh, in the workplace. That that affects the way we measure things. And so while the bottom line is super important, you've got to make money in order to sustain and do the things that you've been called to do. Uh, there's other metrics as well uh, that are important, and you begin to measure those things. Uh, for, for example, 
Uh, if, if the glory of God is my aim and business, then the way that I treat my employees and the way that I care for their families and the way that they feel when they come to work uh, is really important. The uh, way that my business affects the community and uh, how I'm investing in the people beyond my customer base is, uh, is becomes a question as well and, or a metric that's important. So uh, the glory of God, when that's our aim, that affects so much of what we that affects everything and so um the chief end of, end of man you know is to in, in, to glorify god and enjoy him forever and so i think uh, that affects um impacts the way that we do business every day so i'm reading from daryl crouch's for our city blog which is on substack and we are talking about um, how our businesses uh, how marketplace leaders actually m- make a whole lot more than money and so we've talked about the first point, make the glory of God your greatest aim. And then, and then your next point is integrate faith and work throughout the organization. Well, I love this and I, because I, I just know so many Jesus-loving business people who are incredibly gifted. And when they do what they have been gifted by God to do, they minister to their neighbors. And so I use this example of uh, an auto mechanic um, who's taking care of my daughter's car. Uh, my daughter, she's graduated now, but she was uh, in school, for, one of my daughters, in school for, for 500 miles away. Well, when if her car isn't working just right, or if there's, an, if there's an issue there, again, that creates something in my spirit, in my soul, uh, in my wife's heart, that is not super healthy. So that auto mechanic is doing more than just fixing a car and getting it out for the day. Uh, he is ministering to my, to my family, and he is helping me love my daughter well and provide for her and um, make sure that she's safe uh, when she's driving 500 miles away from me. And so um, the work that we do every day and the giftedness that God has given to us ministers to people, even the menial task. If you're if you do title, if you're a t- title company and you're helping people close on their home and you've not done your work well and I end up needing three thousand dollars more than I thought at the closing. Well, that hurts my heart. It not only hurts my pocketbook. It hurts my heart. And uh, so you doing the menial tasks well um, serves me in a way that I really can't serve myself, Carmen. There's things that you're doing, fixing my car or working on my, my title search or whatever it is. Those things are not things I can do myself. Mm-hmm. And so your, your work, your good work cares for me in ways that are super powerful. I love that. I love that. Um, your next point is elevate employee development over employee productivity. Well, we we all serve out of who we are. Uh, the job description is important to provide clarity. Uh, we need job descriptions. But at the end of the day, when I come to work, I, I only can give what I have to give. And so we need people to be productive. They've got to do their job well. They've got to do what they've been trained to do and hired to do. But the way that that happens isn't just through training for a task, but for caring for a, a person. And so uh, we've seen this across the board and and large companies are starting to understand that uh, togetherness and creating community and belonging and having a place that um, we're able to connect with other people at a human level is is 
we understand that we're understanding the importance of that. And certainly in the last um, 18 to 20 months, uh, we, we've understood that isolation is just devastating to our souls. And so. Oh, OK. All right. We're going to um, we're going to call Daryl back really quick, but we're about out of time for um, for this segment. Anyway, I will wrap uh, wrap with this. Um so you can read all of what we've talked about today at DarylCrouch.substack.com. You're looking for the For Our City blog. Um, Daryl, go ahead and uh, complete that thought, my friend. Yeah, sorry about that. But no, just creating this culture of health. You need to have fun at, at work, but it's not just fun. Fun's part of it, but but just having a joy in the work that you're doing in an environment that encourages that um, again, we only can give what we have to give. And so uh, business leaders creating an environment that nurtures the soul of their employees um, goes a long way. All right. You guys got to read the rest of what's there on leveraging your business as a force for community good. But my guess is that would have been the point that you anticipated at the very beginning in terms of kingdom decisions that marketplace leaders can make, how businesses make more than money. Um, we make a lot of good through what we do. And so thank you to each and every one of you who have used the blessings that God has brought you through the marketplace to bless this ministry. We wouldn't be doing what we do, what, what we get to do every day if it weren't for people like you. Um, this is listener-supported radio. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who's made an investment in this ministry out of the resources that God has placed within your reach. Um, that is actually how uh, this all works. So, Daryl, thank you so much for blessing us today um, for for the work you're doing at Everyone's Wilson, for the For Our City blog on Substack, and um, just, you know, for being a guy we can, um, we can count on to bring the Word of God to bear on the reality of life. We really appreciate it. It's an honor. Y'all are great. Well, all right, that's Pastor Daryl Crouch. I got to take a brief break. We're going to hear Greg Laurie and Knowing God. Alrighty, we are uh, literally all in this together, um, so don't forget that this morning. What stories do you choose to tell when somebody asks you a question about, well, I don't know, how things are going or what's happening in a particular place or to a particular person, how things are going in your church? The stories that we choose to tell tell other people a lot about us. They reveal a lot about our actual faith, our actual worldview. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. What's the story you love to tell? And what stories are we telling, not only to one another and in conversation with one another, but what are the stories we're telling the world about the church? Lindsay Schubert joins us with an encouraging story about, well, telling good church stories. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Whether you've talked about it in your family or not, you certainly live by them. So, what are the behavior policies in your home? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Mom, Dad, take time to list the 10 most important issues in your home. Then build a family policy around each. Here's a sample list from my home. Disrespect, dishonesty, alcohol, or inappropriate internet activity. They might be different in your home, but the point is this. 
you need to think about, write down, and communicate your non-negotiable issues. Clear boundaries will curtail lots of grief in the future. And clarity in your convictions will help your child develop boundaries of his or her own. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find helpful resources at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. We sure could use a little good news today. We can use good news every single day, and we can certainly use good news about the church. Lindsay Schubert joins us now. She's a writer for the Gospel Coalition. We are going to uh, highlight an article posted at thegospelcoalition.org. It is entitled, We Need Good Church Stories. Lindsay, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So um, take us to um, take us to your table where your family was gathered and your <laughs> eldest daughter, who was seven at the time, um, asked you to do something, because that's really the story behind this article. Yes. So, um, you know, when we were we we're trying to encourage her to, like, have conversation, ask people questions at the table. And, um, and she decided to ask, well, mommy and daddy, tell me a story about when you were little. And she asked this question a million times and to lots of family members and people we had around our table. And um, my husband and I really quickly noticed that people love to share, or at least come, it, the stories that come quickly to us are stories um, are negative stories really like um i you know i gave the example in the article of like a time that i fell off my bike and fell right into a bed of ants and just like had to ride my bike home crying through the neighborhood and um and it was like times we got in trouble at school or times that we got in an argument or times that you know um we did something we shouldn't have and um we kind of had to think almost more consciously let's tell some positive stories from our childhood because it was the negative ones that really came quickly to mind I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I when I read your article, I thought to myself, well, what if some child asked me to tell me a story of when I was little, the stories that would immediately come to mind, you know, all have some sort of traumatic component, right? Because I think it's the conflict um, from which we learned and the the resilience, right, that I yes. gained from that. And so that's important to me, but I can yes. imagine that that's probably not the way that I want to approach a conversation with every child who asks what it was like to be little <laughs> right. um, as me. So you you make then the the really wonderful and important connection for all of us um, that we do we do that often when we tell the stories of of the family of faith as well. We do. Yeah. Um, I, I think that people, honestly, you know, misery loves company in some ways, but uh, you know, there people love to be affirmed or like to hear, Oh yeah. Like that person should not have done that to you or, Oh yeah. I could totally understand why you needed to leave that church or whatever it is. And so it becomes then really easy to share all the ways that we've been hurt by the church. Um, because that, you know, that's what, we will receive a lot of affirmation sometimes from that. And that's just what stands out the most to us. When we think back, you know, probably a lot, most of us have been 
through several churches, you know, into adulthood from, you know, from the time we were little. And, um, and when we look back on those churches, you know, I'm kind of even doing it right now. Um, when I think back to my childhood church, the first thing that stands out is like ways that I wish the pastor had like approached my family differently or something like that. And, um, when really that church, on in the long run or as a whole gave me a very good foundation of faith, but that's not what I think of first for some reason. Yeah. Building up the body instead of tearing it down. I, as I was reading, I also, it, like I was thinking about that verse in Proverbs um, that talks about the wise woman building her house, but the foolish mm-hmm. woman pulling it down with her own hands. Like there are mm-hmm. ways for us to upbuild the body, to upbuild the family of faith. And there are ways for us to tear it down. And as Christians, like we're called to be people who um, not not just participate fully in the life of the bride of Christ, the church, mm-hmm. but, you know, like point to her substantial goodness and her enduring and endearing qualities and um and maybe not not be the people who are constantly pointing out lifting up um emphasizing all the ways in which in the world institutional mm-hmm. churches fail mhm yeah i'm i mean you know when we read in scripture that we all have spiritual gifts and that we're part of the body of Christ, what that one thing that that teaches us about ourselves is that the church needs us. Like there are times Mm. when, um, you might feel like you're only a fingernail or something and you might think, Oh, well, I, you know, I don't even need to be here. I'm so insignificant at this church or no one will notice that I'm gone or something like that. But, um, you know, this might sound like a silly example, but there have been times when I have been like cutting on a cutting board um, and I have slipped with a knife and it's my fingernail that has Mm. kept my finger safe. Um, And so, and so, yeah, it like, we need, we need your voice. We need your presence. Um, You know, like there, every single part of the body is important. And, um, and so that, that, you know, that kind of, I don't know, shows why, um, you know, we need those voices to lift up the body and to, like you were saying, fully participate in the body of Christ in and outside the church building. We need you to leave those church doors and and lift up the body to the world um, and to show how beautiful um, the local church can be. We're talking with Lindsay Schubert. We're talking about uh, a particular piece that is posted at thegospelcoalition.org. It's entitled, We Need Good Church Stories. A couple of folks um, commenting with us, Lindsay, as we talk. Uh, Lori says, um, yes, but lament is a huge part of, uh, of the story of the people of faith. And then I remember lament doesn't end in lament. Lament always mm. ends in glorifying God for um, for who he is. So, yes, absolutely. Amen, amen, and amen. We're going to get yes. to uh, the things we ought to be looking for and talking about as we share stories of the church, as we answer questions. You know, what was it like to be little in the faith? What was it like when you mm. were new to the church? Um, you know, why are you a part of the body? Like, these are good questions. Why do you go to the church you attend? Um, what does it look like to focus on the good, the beautiful, and the true and retell stories of faithfulness? We're going to continue this conversation with Lindsay Schubert in just a moment. Continuing our conversation with Lindsay Schubert. She lives in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. 
Uh, her husband, Jason, is the pastor of Harbor Presbyterian Church, and together they've got four kids. They also participate in foster care. Um, and Lindsay shares good church stories on Instagram at Enduring underscore community. We're talking about a piece she has posted right now at the Gospel Coalition, and it is about good church stories. So, Lindsay, let's um, let's talk about how to, let's equip people to do this. So how do we tell good stories about the church? Well, one thing that I think is first important is that we have to be able to um, affirm that people have been hurt by the church. I think that um, that is it, it is obviously utmost importance to share the beauty of the church, but I think part of um, what makes it so hard for people to not only tell, but also receive and hear and really let those good stories sink in is um, if we just overlook all the bad things that have happened and can happen in a church. And so I think it's important that we say um, like, yeah, I see how you've been hurt here, or man, I could really understand understand um, why that would um, make you want to withdraw for a while or, um, you know, just to tell someone you should not have been treated that way, I think is a really um, good first step. Um, But I think it's really important that we not overlook um, little things that seem Um, possibly mundane, like if you are encouraged at Bible study, or if you are invited into someone's home for dinner, that is the body of Christ functioning the way it is supposed to. And I think um, those things become so either commonplace or just too expected. We, we, we assume that those kinds of good things are going to happen in the church. And so they don't seem worth celebrating, but, um, but when we speak into one another's life and sharpen one another with scripture or, um, or, you know, just have discipleship relationships um, or someone walks you through a time of grief or when you need uh, care and you're suffering in your personal life and the church comes alongside you and does something as simple as providing meals or checking in, those things are worth celebrating. And those things don't always happen um, in the world around us. And so uh, the world um, and the building of the kingdom needs uh, us to recount those beautiful moments within the church. Help us to not only um, identify and, you know, and talk about the beauty and the beauty, obviously, I mean, I think that your point is so well made, right? I can see, I can see the beautiful colors up and against the darkness, right? There's that other side of the mm. tapestry conversation that's always taking place. I mean, I, I see beauty because it stands out in such stark contrast mm-hmm. to that which is broken, um, all of which points us to a redemptive reality, right? Like I... Um, I note a fallen tree in the woods and and I note that because it's it's not right. It shouldn't it shouldn't right. like things aren't supposed to be that way. So right. um um and yet the contrast of the darkness and the light um helps me see the texture of the reality of life and the mm-hmm. redemptive hope and, and you know and on and on and on. So um help us retell faithfulness because I felt like this part of your piece was just really um not just accurate, but just like so helpful. Mm. Um, well, I think in the piece, I I use the example of the book of Nehemiah and the, the people of Israel who at this point in the redemption story have already been 
you know, exiled and dispersed and, um, you know, put under the rule and oppression of another country and um and they have been able to come back together um they have rebuilt the wall around jerusalem and um and the next step they take as as a people as an entire body is to um is is to read scripture honestly is what they're doing and um and they they retell all of scripture from the beginning of the Israelite story. And that includes a lot of sin um, and a a lot of admitting their, you know, their stubbornness and um, the ways that they complained when God was providing for them. Um, But uh, in doing so, they also then re are recounting, Oh, but there was that time that you led us out of Egypt and, um, through the red sea. And you also like led us through the desert and you gave us this land. And, um, yes, there was sin against one another and against you. Um, but ultimately God, you've been so good to us and you have, you know, made us this, this people. Um, and they, they're not doing that by themselves. They're not kind of we, we don't ever hear stories in scripture of these like one-off believers um, who are just talking about, um, you know, God's, God's goodness or the beauty that they're experiencing really alone. Like people are saved into community. Um, God saves us um, as, as a body. Um, that's, we're so often called like a body or um, the, you know, the house, the house of God um, uh, throughout scripture. And the, the new, the new Testament writers really carry that out. I mean, you think like, um, where would we be if Peter felt so shamed by the times that he denied Jesus, which I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he felt and I'm sure people um, did that to him. Like, you know, you think of, I don't know if you guys have been watching The Chosen, but it's really interesting to see just Mm -hmm. like the the bickering among the disciples. And you think of this unique group of guys that um, Jesus called together. Um, But like, you know, I'm sure they were not proud of Peter in um, in the ways that he didn't stand by Jesus in his most tumultuous, you know, moments. Um, but Peter didn't um, let that shame draw him, you know, send him away from the body of Christ. He actually poured back into it. And we have the books of the Bible that he has written for us, you know, like we see how afraid Mary and Joseph were when they saw the angels, but even in their fear, they continued in obedience. Um, You know, like you really see that all through scripture. You think of like the church of uh, the the Corinthian church, and um, that church is such a mess. I mean, like sexual immorality and quarreling and, um, you know. uh, Oh, the stories we can tell. Yes, like partiality, um, mm-hmm. but um, but Paul never says you should probably find another church down the road because this one's a mess. He mm-hmm. he gives you um, he walks through what love looks like, and he walks through spiritual gifts and how they can serve each other, and um, and he he gives instructions for um, redeeming the body that they are in, um, because it's worth it because Jesus is a savior who redeems brokenness. And if we are quick to leave a place where, um, we're seeing that brokenness, we're oftentimes missing out on the way God plans to, um, also like 
play out his story of redemption in a local body. So, Lindsay, I um, just as you said that, I was reminded of a, a conversation with a person who clearly did not have a, a very good understanding or grasp of scripture at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we worked through some of that, but she made the assumption that there was a first and a second Corinthians because there must have been a first Corinthian uh. church and a second <laughs> Corinthian church. And I'm like, no, no, this letters, it's a series of letters to the same uh-huh. congregation. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so it's a, a great <laughs> opportunity to talk about the unity of the body and yeah. um, and how we are mutually connected to one another in so many ways. Lindsay, we mm. got to leave it right there. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you for what you're doing every day at home um, with the, all of those little people. Um, thank, <laughs> thank Jason for his leadership at Harbor Prez and, um, and bless you as you thank continue you so not only to pursue me. Christ, but bring us bring us good stories. So you guys can Thank find so Lindsay much. Schubert absolutely at the gospelcoalition.org. The piece we were discussing today, we need good church stories. We'll be right back. All right, what's the story that you love to tell? What's the good news story that's on your heart and mind this morning? Um I just, there are just so many good stories to tell, and there's so many good stories that are out there. And so thank you for reminding me of so many of them. Um, uh, I'm, I'm looking on my little feed right now for the person who texted in. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, I'm not sure who this is because I don't have a name attached to it, but it is in the 612 area code. Uh, and this person says, my youth group went around the Twin Cities singing loud and proud worship songs in Spanish and in English in the church van. And so I'm, I'm of course, imagining that. Now, there's some of us that would do that, and the, and the van windows would be rolled up. And there's others that would do it, and the van windows would be rolled down. And there's others who would do it, and the van windows would not only be rolled down, but there'd be a loudspeaker on the top of the van. So what does it look like uh, for you to sing to the glory of God and to celebrate the good news of the gospel my, I learned that my uh, my brother-in-law, Joe, would often go forward in the context of worship, and uh, he would have taken his shoes off as he approached, you know, the Lord, holy ground, and he would be dancing and singing, apparently sometimes in tongues. And, you know, that's not stuff I knew about my brother-in-law. So there you go. How are you singing uh, before the Lord this day a new song? Uh, what's the song in your heart today? How are you broadcasting to others the good news of the gospel? What are the stories that you're telling? And do you love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love? That's the story that I love to tell. And I love to tell it because it's the story of a good God who really came into the context of reality to really redeem. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.